Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and I was raised Catholic, Roman Catholic. Fortunately, God saw it fit to guide me to the true salvation of Jesus Christ and to reveal to me, via the Holy Spirit, all the lies taught by the Roman Catholic Church. In these next few podcasts and blogs, I will delve deep into the past and uncover where the Church went astray and separated from the real, true faith taught in the Gospels, the Book of Acts, and the Epistles in the New Testament. I pray that as you hear this message, it will encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Seek the truth. Ask God to open your heart and eyes and mind to understand what His Spirit is trying to tell you. The episode will begin after a short message. Truth. Confessing to a priest doesn't get you saved. Continuing my series on where the Roman Catholic Church went wrong, tracking where church leaders strayed from the gospel truth, brings me to confession. I remember as a kid going every Saturday with my mom, and my dad only went to church for a wedding or a funeral, to confession. We did this so that we can receive communion in Mass on Sunday. It was a weekly ritual. Problem was that I was a pretty good kid. What happens when you have no sins to confess? I remember saying, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been one week since my last confession. This week, I lied three times and I stole twice. I made stuff up. Yes, I lied to the priest. I should be going to hell, right? Or at least surely spend some quality time in purgatory. Alas, no. All my sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven not by a priest, but by Jesus Christ himself. Because in 1995, I got on my knees and said, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I believe you are my Savior and died for my sins. Please come into my heart. Amen. Or something to that effect. I don't remember. In essence, I confessed. And I was by myself. I confessed to Jesus that I sinned and asked his forgiveness. At that moment, I became a child of God, born again into a new life with Christ. I was adopted into the kingdom of God. I had my one-way, non-stop ticket to heaven. And I still, I still had to get baptized and work on sanctification. And that did take a little time. I affirmed Jesus is the Christ, and he took my sins away once and for all. So when did the Catholic Church start requiring confessions and penance? As I delve into Christian church history, I'm astounded at how many schisms, those are breakups, there were. I thought there was only one big schism in 1054 when the Eastern Orthodox Church split away. But there were many, many others. There were schisms because one bishop used unleavened bread with no yeast, and another used regular bread for communion. Yes, they split over the type of bread. And you thought today's different denominations were ridiculous. So we know that in 313, Constantine gave the Christians the freedom of religion so they would no longer be persecuted, and they could worship freely throughout the Roman Empire. At some point in the fourth century, bishops became judges 
and sin was seen as a breaking of the law rather than fracturing one's relationship with God. All right, so we're going from faith to secularism. All right. A new, more legalistic understanding of penance emerged at Episcopal or bishop's courts as payment to satisfy the demands of divine justice. According to Joseph Martos, this was facilitated by a misreading of John 20, 23 and Matthew 18, 18 by Augustine of Hippo and Pope Leo I, who thought it was the disciple and not God who did the forgiving, though after true repentance. The Acts of Councils from the 4th to the 6th century so show that no one who belonged to the order of penitents had access to Eucharist communion until the bishop reconciled him with the community of the church. So that's how it started. Okay, and I have a link on my blog to, to the Wikipedia article that this came from. So here are the verses they based this on in context. Okay, so the first one was John 20, 2023. So that is Easter Sunday night. Okay, so we're going to start reading from verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So that's John 20, 19 through 23. And the other one was Matthew 18, 18. So I'm going to read Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Okay, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everyone you say, everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Verse 19, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask and my father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. That's, again, Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Gee, in context, they take on a whole new meaning. That's one thing you have to be careful when, when taking scripture verses out of context. Some can and do stand well on their own, but others, most, you need to take into consideration the text before and or after. I highly recommend the free Bible app, 
throughtheword.org. They take each chapter of the Bible and dig down deep to its meaning. They are excellent studies. So they preached really the wrong thing. Rather than teaching people what the true forgiveness of sins that Jesus is good, uh, of Jesus' good news, they really encouraged sinning with the requirement of penance each time a person fell into sin. That was backwards thinking. I mean, think about it, okay? Um, people would sin and it's like, hey, it's okay, I'll just go confess my, my sins on Saturday and I'll be okay. Yeah, but what happens if you die before Saturday? You're in trouble. I don't think it helped that most people were illiterate. This is in the Middle Ages. And depended on the church to show them how to behave. They didn't get that when Jesus died on the cross, legalism was finished. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 15, verses uh, 37 through 39. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. He was on the cross. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. Separated from God no more. In the Jewish temple, there was a thick curtain that separated the main public temple area to the Holy of Holies. Only specially designated priests from the tribe of Levi could enter to sacrifice or burn incense at appointed times. It was considered where God hung out. We read about this in Luke 1, verses 5 through 10. I'm going to read. When Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. That's Again, that's Luke 1, 5 through 10. Well, it goes on to tell of the angel Gabriel visiting Zechariah and foretelling the birth of John the Baptist. And you can, um, you can read about it. There's a link to it in my blog. So let's get back to the subject of confessing, forgiveness, and penance. We have three aspects of forgive, forgiveness. One, God forgiving us for our sins, which is done when we sincerely repent and vow to follow Jesus. Two, us forgiving each other, and we get that from the Lord's Prayer and Matthew 18. And three, us forgiving ourselves. Okay, let's look at the Lord's Prayer, and we all know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, blah, blah, blah. So we get down to, and forgive us our sins as as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus explains in Matthew 18, temptation, sinning, and forgiving. And you can read about it in my blog. There's a link to that. I'm not going to, because then it would be too long of an episode. Okay, so you can literally read yourself. Matthew 18, I highly recommend it. Go to your Bible or to one of the Bible apps. 
the whole idea is because the father forgives you, you should forgive others when they sin against you. However, we are to live righteously and avoid temptation. So how do you become forgiven? One, confess to Jesus that you are a sinner. You can list all your sins if you want to, but it's not necessary. Jesus knows your sins. And once you repent and vow to stop sinning or live righteously, he'll forget your sins. Two, if you've sinned against someone, you need to ask them for forgiveness and forgive anyone who sinned against you. That could be hard sometimes and you need to pray about it. Three, forgive yourself. This one is really hard for some folks. Moreover, Satan loves to throw your sins back at you. Out of the blue, memory comes back of a sinful act in your past and it's tough to get it out of your head. When that happens to me, I think of Jesus or sing a praise song and usually the memory fades away fairly quickly. Jesus died to set us free. Jesus didn't die so we could have religion. He died so we could have a relationship with God directly. That's why the curtain was torn in the temple. We no longer need a priest to be intermediary between us and God. We can go directly to him. By the way, we don't need to pray to Mary or any of the saints either, and I'll be getting into that more deeply soon, but that's paganism. Don't be a slave to religion. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be free and born again and have a relationship with Jesus and have the assurance of salvation and receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, that's a whole other thing, this is what you have to do. Believe, repent, and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. If you don't know how, you don't know what to say, just pray this prayer humbly and wholeheartedly. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Please forgive me. Right now I turn from my sins and open the door of my heart and my life to you. I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. I surrender my whole life to you and I will follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you click on over to my blog, I have um, the next steps in your new walk with Jesus. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Are you ready? Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is, is through Jesus Christ only. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, Version Bible app and Through the Word. We are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. There is an urgency to spread the good news of the true salvation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 to 22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. 
Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Folks, Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory.